0: The following Doctor Who Podshock podcast was recorded just a little bit more than a couple months ago. As most of you know, Doctor Who Podshock production had come to a halt in August of 2007 when I um, had two family members uh, hospitalized. Unfortunately, last month I lost my brother. The other family member is still in the recovery, still is recovering, and I'm doing um, all I can to assist in that process. Uh, Therefore, uh, production of the podcast had um, unfortunately suffered, and um, there weren't any new podcasts being edited in post-production and being put out on the feed. So I'm in the process now. It's um, the beginning of October of getting some of our older shows up on the feed, and uh, please bear with me while I do that. And we have new episodes that are being recorded, and we hope you join us um, during our live shows for these new episodes. Uh, we've got studio episodes that we're also recording as well. In this process of getting these older episodes out, they may not be up to our usual uh, standards or um, we'll have all the bells and whistles attached to them just so that we can expedite them and get them out on the feeds and you know as, as quickly as we can and, and get our production back on a, a normal schedule again so uh thank you for understanding um please pretend to jump into your own Tartarus and go back to the very end of July 2007 for the next episode that follows this um programming note thank you so much
1: live
0: live from the Fred Astaire dance studios where the master's wife is giving a master class in modern dance it's Doctor Who pod (sighs) shock
2: Outpost Gallifrey presents Dr. Who Pachock, episode 92. Why are you a Dr. Who fan? <laughs> the Ood is, are returning, and as BBC has announced um, on their site, uh, the Ood will be back in series four of the 2008 series. So um, we have more Ood to look forward to, Oodles of Ood.
3: Indeed, yeah. as Dave in our forums like to put it, who'd have thought it?
1: Who'd have thought exactly it? would not exactly like huge news, to be really No,
2: it's, we kind of expected this.
1: Because I mean, we, yes. we, they were
2: expected. very kind of popular at the time, so and,
1: and knew the U- U- would like, be back. Back when they used to make the Star Wars movies, and the first still of the new movie would come out, like two and a half years prior to the movie, and it was like a robot wheel. And you'd be like, oh, great, I saw the first news still from the new Star Wars movie. Well, what was it? It was a rubber tire. Because, like, <laughs> you know, it isn't exactly like earth-shattering news. Look, well, okay. Yeah. All right, right, so you're back, great. What's the next story?
2: Well, Doctor Who did that themselves. They had that, before the 2005 series went underway, They on the Doctor Who website, the BBC site, they had these um, photo images that... Um, of really obscure stuff from the set, it's kind of tease you. I mean, they showed you like a coffee cup, you know, or something, like uh, not even like a ceramic one, like a paper one. No, yeah, they, they called it. They called
3: it. There was something like Spy in the title or something weird like that. It was a bit odd, wasn't it? And, and until you'd seen the series, it was pretty meaningless because you would see all these props and think, well, what on earth is that? And then it made <laughs> sense once you'd, once you'd seen the first series. But
2: Oh, it did make sense. I, I thought it was even meaningless afterwards. I don't know. No, well, okay. Kind of just it's going somewhere. looking
3: back at it, I thought, oh, yeah. that's what that was or, you know, something like that. But generally, yeah, yeah it's very obscure, I have to say.
2: So, uh, Russell T. Davies says, uh, we're delighted the Ood are making a welcome return to Doctor Who. So And we're, we are all delighted as well.
1: We're very delighted.
2: <laughs> yep. They were good. Okay. Okay. So I really do.
1: Yeah. I love the Ood. I think that they're a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: it's just, very it's, it's, good. This is like the big news story, you
2: know? Well, like, no, it's not the big news story. It's just one of uh, the news stories, that, you know. We're, we, I mean, maybe it's the big news story on the BBC because they really, you know, right now we're in a lull period between, you know, now and um, the Christmas special, Voyage of the Damned. So they're filling up space with uh, no, some Dr. news. No,
1: on Voyage of the Damned. How about, you know, Voyage of the Damned news?
2: Okay. What do you got?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: what have I got? Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody.
3: <laughs> All right, okay.
2: Move not, on, not move on. They've
3: disclosed nor is your information.
2: <laughs> well, um in other news, um again th- th- these aren't full news stories, we're just kind of touching upon them and um but and, and news. Um there's finally going to be a Doctor Who video game coming out by but I I'm kind of confused. It's um I don't know if it's a proper video game or it's sort of like these trump cards is this going to be just like um is this going to be like solitaire on your computer but it, you know but instead of solitaire it'd be you know the whole trump card thing it, it's definitely well, really like
3: top trumps in the uk is um a very popular sort of kids card game i don't know if it's the same in the u.s but you have these cards with uh, different characters on it and each character has its own advantages and one person says out one particular uh, facet, and if they have the higher score, then they win the other person's card, and you keep going until whoever wins, uh, you know, whoever gets the most cards wins. Um, So I just took it to mean that it's like a a computerized version of that, um, which to me seems a bit strange that they would do that, because, you know, unless it's going to be a really cheap, uh, card game because you can buy the, the cards themselves for a couple of quid. No. But there doesn't really seem to be any major um, information about it. Um, I don't know whether it's just been advertised in um, a Top Trump card pack. You, they frequently put advertisements in there for other packs or for other promotions that they've going on, got going on. Um, for instance, maybe if, if the BBC wanted them to. So I don't know whether it's a, a game based on the, the the top trumps, or whether it's like an independent game in its own right, as I guess um, everybody out there will be uh, will be want. That's what everybody will be wanting essentially, or well, that's what I would like anyway. It would be awesome to have, I don't know, like a, a Doctor Who RPG or something like that. But who can say? I mean, I think it's just too early to say at this at this point. We just know that finally there's going to be some s- sort of Doctor Who video game, which I think the, the fans have sort of been been pining for uh, for a long time.
2: Well, according to, um, and I've also got to thank Doctor Sceptical for posting this in, as a news story on our site. Uh, according to David's web, David Tennant's website, uh, it was revealed on Saturday that the video game is going to be released this Christmas for the PC, uh, PS2, the PlayStation 2, um, the DS, and mobile platforms. And I don't know. Personally, I gotta say, if it's just the the Trump card game, you know, tra- you know, ported over to a video game, I, I'm not. Really, I'm kind of disappointed. I was hoping for more of a full fledged well, yeah, you know platform I mean,
1: game or first person
2: type of shooter game. Or go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Most
1: sophisticated computer, or, you know, video games that we've ever had. are practically uh, like watching a movie. And the best thing they come up with is. Uh, you know, like a card game on a, on a video game that just seems a
3: little... Um, yeah, but we boring. don't know that for just yet. It just seems that that's all that they've, they've given us, the snippet of the information is that there will be a video game, not what it's going to be about or I don't know if if it is going to be based on Top Trumps or what but I think it would be, I think all three of us can agree that it would be a huge shame if that was the case because you know, what's the point? You can just buy there's a pack of cards, you, you know, there's there's no need to to explore the Doctor Who universe if you're not going to do it properly, I think.
2: Well, speaking about not doing things properly, before we started doing this, recording our live show, we sort of introduced ourselves to everyone that was listening before we you know, started recording. And now that the show is rolling, we failed to kind of introduce everyone. So um, let me just start, um, get that out of the way and... Um, Start a roll call here. You were just listening to the return of James Norton in well, um, from the UK, but um, in the Netherlands right now, I believe, unless you tell me otherwise, James.
3: No, that's quite right. Here for another sort of month, and then back in the UK for pretty much good, I guess, until uh, well, for another three years at least. So,
2: well, we're glad to have you back. I know you've been kind of very busy lately, and you weren't able to make all the shows. As you know, even though as much as yeah, sorry like about that, that,
3: guys. But I've had loads of uh, interviews. I've just recently graduated, so I've kind of had to scramble to sort of get my my future sorted out. So uh finally now I'm going to be doing a PhD. So that should oh. be cool.
2: Very good. Well, from masters to doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Indeed, it would have been
2: there. You just finished up your master, so that's hence just filling in those that don't know what we're talking about. Um, (laughs) Also with (laughs) us is the mighty Ken Deep. Hello. Hey Ken, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) It'd be
1: going better if there was another pod shock released already.
2: Yeah, I'm waiting for it, Ken. Yeah. How come you've just been sitting around doing nothing about it?
1: <laughs> and uh,
2: also with us, known on the forums as Omega, but here he's known as Joe. Oh, boy. Hi. <laughs> Joe, Joe fell asleep. No, there's Joe. Good morning, Joe.
4: Good, good morning. It's
2: okay. good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and... Darth Skeptical, only he could be so bold. Doth? What happened to Darth? Oh, we lost Darth. <laughs>
1: he gave up on us. <laughs> oh, my.
2: Oh, my. All right, well, hopefully Darth will return. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that's the the said movies. <laughs> the,
2: yeah, there, there's a lot of lightning and thundering going on as we record this, so... um.
1: Where's Darth from? Is he is he uh, in, in the all He's of he's from away? a
2: little island or um somewhere in the Pacific. Where he's an un he's in an undisclosed location. Huh, just like Dick Cheney. <laughs> 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 well, now that you mention it, have you ever seen Darth Skeptical and Dick Cheney in the same place at the same time? Yeah. Have. Yeah. So you know, there's a reason why he only goes by the name of Darth Skeptical here. All right. <laughs> Move along, move along. Uh, what's up? What's what's uh, the next story up on in the news here? We have, um, you know, it it it, it now. I it makes sense. The reason why I was waiting for Doth to kind of chime in on the video game news, and uh, um, there was silence.
3: Yes, definitely. All right, silent. He's probably <laughs> going to come back and say, you "No, know, guys, you're all wrong. It's going to be you know." an RPG or, you know, an MMRPG or something like that, I don't know, that would be really cool if it could be a multiplayer game, an online thing. That would be pretty awesome, but I don't know, yeah. I don't know what they're doing. And and it can't have, it It seems to me it's yeah. not really released that much information about it and it's due out at Christmas. That's not a great deal of time to develop a game, so...
2: Well, the trouble with uh, an on um, uh, a multiplayer online game would be that, like, everyone would want to play the ma- the the doctor, and there's only like ten of them to go around. That's <laughs> true. So or, you have uh, like ten doctors and and thousands of companions and a few other thousand villains and. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, maybe
3: some people would like to play as the Daleks or the Cybermen. Yeah,
2: no, I'm sure, but you can you you have like you know I'm Cyberman three four six eight. Hi. you <laughs> will be deleted. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well maybe they could be make it like a racing game, like those wonderful Mario Kart games, you know, Doctor Kart.
2: <laughs> that would be
3: so terrible.
2: <laughs> hey they they did it with, with, with Star Wars as well. Alright, well um we some sad news is that um, unfortunately uh, David Tennant's mother Helen McDonald has passed away, and uh, it's um, you know it's always unfortunate you know obviously when that happens. And uh, but we there is um, some news to report. If you want to help out, there's a um, a fund that was uh, set up by I think DavidTennant.com, the David Tennant website. And it's um, if you'd like to donate something to Accord, in, which is a um, a hospice that was, um, you know, that 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 is set up to um, take donations in Helen McDonald's name, and that you can find a link to that on our website. It's in our well, it's you can find it in two places. It's in our web resources section, and also in the forums. There's a um, there's a thread in it, you know, concerning this. So. If you uh, want to help out, they've already that the target was two thousand pounds. They've already exceeded that almost. They've almost done twice as much, so um, which is great, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. But also, I think that that um, on David's site, he asked if you. I think you can make comments or something that uh, you don't reference David in any way. You just sort of uh, donate some money, and and that's it. Because obviously, it's sort of a very troubling time, I guess for him and all of his family so they're trying to kind of minimize uh, this mm-hmm. process and everything else so uh, if you want to give some money please do but uh, please don't make any references to David and I'm sure he's also a very modest guy and you know wouldn't like to, uh, to take the credit for this sort of thing so yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Alright well um, moving on to uh, um, other news and this is a, a bit of a spoiler alert here. If um, if you haven't heard, so um, but Martha Jones, play, played by Freema Agyeman, will be coming back next year. But um, not only in Doctor Who, but she'll be in Torchwood as well. So you can you will have a in a sense a, a double dosage. Though they probably won't be overlapping. Well, then again, the, the series isn't overlapping. So, uh, but uh, the news is that. Um, She'll be, I don't know why this is news, but somehow this is news. Um, she's going to be staying pure. <laughs> she won't be dancing <laughs> in Torchwood as the other characters, uh, quote, dance, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so that they can, you know, she can keep her um, innocence, if you will, um, when she returns to Doctor Who. Who knows? Mm-hmm.
3: But um, I've heard she's going to be in three episodes, and I've also heard a separate story that um, she will probably have a boyfriend. I think I don't know if I read that in Doctor Who magazine, or <laughs> or
2: perhaps a Milligan like from the um, um, you know the the last of the Time Lords and uh, obviously the Sound of Music.
3: Well but um, I think that uh, she's essentially going to get a fella some description so that uh, when she meets the doctor their relationship will be somewhat different obviously
2: on another uh, level
3: yeah and not purely you know there won't be that awkward tension that there was there before i guess and they can just kind of get on with things and martha won't be so so hung up on the guy mm. uh, yeah that should be bring an interesting dimension to it and i'm also wondering whether there will be sort of some overlap uh, whether martha you know, we'll just hop into the TARDIS, kind of like you see with Captain Jack at the end of, of Torchwood, and, and obviously you know that they, they must meet up again, the Doctor and and Jack, because uh, you know it's a completely different sort of uh, scenario to um, the end of Torchwood, uh, where yeah. the, the the TARDIS materialises actually in within the Torchwood hub, than before. At the end of the, the Doctor Who series three, obviously, Jack jumps onto the tireless, doesn't he? So we know that there's a two separate meetings between the Doctor, maybe even a future incarnation of the Doctor, who can say? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. So it would be interesting if they could kind of overlap a bit and, uh, you know, maybe the Doctor would even be in an episode of Torchwood or something just for the one or briefly make a cameo there.
2: Yeah, I know... The, you know, originally they said there weren't going to be any any overlapping, but that was you know series one of Torchwood, so that may has you know that rule may have been rewritten for series two, and um, series two should be coming out in January, I believe. January was um, coming up, obviously. They've
1: announced <laughs> the DVDs of it as well, didn't they? Uh, the, you're in region
2: 1 yeah that um the DVDs have been unofficially announced i think you know we, we reported that on um well i i posted a link to it on our forums and um so there should be a um the, the information was pretty vague but I, I think that was um oh what was it january so
1: and i i see that november brings us uh september 8 classics 8th. and series 3
2: box set um okay um, that, I'm sorry, <laughs> Merlin just posted September eighth for the on BBC America. The, the that Torchwood will be on BBC America just as okay, a. Okay, never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, rounding out the news is, um, and I was hoping that Doth would be back for this because I was trying to. Um, You know, because I'm sure he would have a lot to say about this. And uh, um, unfortunately, Doth isn't back yet. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, just to move along, um, the other big news is that Doctor Who will be returning in a comic book form. And IW, I'm sorry, IW has announced, I believe, at the Big Comic Con this past weekend, I believe it was, uh, that Doctor Who, uh, that they're going to be taking um, Doctor Who to task in a comic book, and it, with the blessings of Russell T Davies, and um, it's going to be the tenth Doctor with Martha Jones as his companion. And um, I don't know, there's some mixed reaction because um, I haven't, um, I'm not really up on the comic book um, scene, but supposedly they have other, uh, like they have a, they, they've been doing the Star Trek comics, and I think that was um, some people have been found found that to be disappointing. So let's hope that they do a good job with Doctor Who. I, I, I really can't say one way or the other. And, you know, as I said, I was hoping that Doc's skeptical would be here because I'm sure he would have lots of information because this is really his scene.
3: Yeah, this is what he's into, I guess. So uh, it's a shame that he's not about. But it, it, there's some interesting artwork online anyway. I've just taken that there's lots of stills there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks pretty good. It's, it's in a different style to sort of uh, the Infinite Quest. Yeah, uh, that we, but of course it's a completely different company. That was Cosgrove Hall, of course. Um, but w- what is interesting about well,
2: Cosgrove Hall did the did, did the invasion and um, and Infinite Quest yeah, used, well. was, was was something similar, you know, had a similar style. But uh, this yeah. is more of a um, I, this is more stylistic. I think the artists here. Um, is um, a little bit, I don't want to say harsher, but just the, the lines are more harsh or more bolder. Or just, it's just yeah, a it, different style.
3: It's more, it's more, it's less stylized and sort of more cartoony in a way, I guess. Uh, Nick, Nick
2: Roche, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Yeah, or Roche,
3: I don't know. But what is kind of uh, interesting about it is that, um, uh, that, while the Doctor Who fans concentrated um, heavily on sort of the BBC uh, presence um, at uh, this particular convention, um, there was all this information about uh, a a Torchwood panel being there. Uh, Writer Steve Fritz uh, cornered uh, Big Finish boss Gary Russell about it for a long interview about the Doctor's comic book conventions.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And along the way, this is when... uh, all of this stuff came out, uh, along with the fact that uh, Russell will be writing it for IDW. So although Nick roche is is, is is drawing it, uh, Gary Russell will be writing it, um, along with... Uh, I think, cause they, don't IDW also do things like um, Angel and 24 CSI as well, Star Trek and all that sort of stuff? Uh, they seem to be kind of a big yeah. verb. Mhm. So uh, I, I guess just the everyone will be excited about the fact that the comic book will be coming out. But um, like anything new and, and like anything to do with Doctor Who, I think the fans just want to ensure that it's going to be good and uh, not let the side down because everything else generally about Doctor Who is, is of such high quality. So... Um,
2: yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time that there's a Doctor Who comic book. There, I remember back in the 80s that Marvel um, put out a Doctor Who comic book. Now, what I'm not sure about, if I don't re- what I don't remember, is whether or not these were just um, comics were that were in Doctor Who Monthly that they repurposed for, you know, a color comic book.
1: They were reprints of the uh, Doctor Who Monthly comic.
2: Yeah, that's what I was just uh, asking.
1: Okay. Hmm. Oh, Darth <laughs> Skeptical is...
2: Um, Not with us vocally, but he's um, in the chat room.
3: Maybe he'll be coming through in a moment. Let's hope.
6: Well, I mean, I'm excited uh, about the comic because I feel like this is the chance to see some things that we wouldn't see on TV. Like, uh, this is the chance for, like, a multi-doctor story or, like, a way to bring, like, back some older villains that, you know, they just wouldn't bother with for the new program. And
3: also maybe more sort of off-earth stories would be nice as well. Yeah, I know.
6: That's, that's the best way to do it. It's not the budget for an off-world story. So.
2: Well, that's what's great about the animated series. Um, well, if it t- turns into a series, it was, but you know what I mean. And the comic book is that you're not limited by special effects budgets or you can really go anywhere you like to go. And, um I I know this is being overseen by Russell T. Davies, so I'm sure he's probably not going to have them having a, let's say, returning villain that he has planned for the television show so that there's no um, conflicts there, so that the the storylines can sort of coexist with each other. Mm
6: -hmm. Yeah. And uh, just a way also to bring in some, you know, creatures and monsters that, You know, the budget just wouldn't uh, allow to come to fruition in a way that looks believable. You know, like, uh, there's a lot of fun things
3: you can sort of do with that. Yeah, you've got more sort of freedom, I guess, in the comic books, and also you can have more fun with it, I guess. There's certain things that, I guess, you couldn't do on the television screen because it would look a bit silly or a bit camp these days by television standards but uh, you could get away with that in in the past in the seventies and the sixties but now sort of maybe less so uh, but it might be interesting to see in the comics
2: oh yeah absolutely alright well Darth is having audio problems so we're just um... if he comes back on board he can um... audio wise he can chime in later about the comic book and even the video game um... news as well if he wishes but um, yeah,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Darth, may the just, Force uh, be with you. I know they're still the, good in you. Just briefly on the, uh, wrapping up uh, sort of the news updates, is just uh, some DVD release information. August 14th brings robot survival to uh, to Region 1, but they just announced that for November 6th, we've got Arc of Infinity and Time Flight and Series the Series 3 box set. Uh, and then according to Outpost Gallifrey, January 8th is the Torchwood Series 1 in North America, which is conflicting then, right, with, um, with what BBC America is saying?
2: No, no, BBC America, Torchwood is going, is going to be premiering on BBC America in September, so there's some confusion there.
1: uh, It'll be done with its run by January in time for the DVD release.
2: Probably, yeah. Yeah. So that sort of makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, um, I think that rounds up the news. Anyone else have any um, other comments about any um, Doctor Who news stories that they may um, want to comment on?
1: How about a non-Doctor Who news story? Such as? Uh, The Blade Runner five disc that is finally going to see the light of day before. Is this
2: um, um, an HD DVD?
1: I, I haven't seen any information on that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. It would be a great way of launching uh, it's a great way of making you and I buy two different formats of players, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, there, it, there was no word on that yet. Uh,
2: well, I'm going to hold Diego off Comic until. Con Con this
1: weekend, and there was indie yeah. news, Star Wars news, Blade Runner news. There was news from around the universe uh, at San Diego. Con
3: Con. <laughs> the multiverse, in fact.
2: And I believe we have Darth back on board with us. Darth. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> he was there for a second. And then, um, all right, let's move along then.
3: Yeah, but let's get on to the, the main sort of bread and butter then of, of this today's sort of podcast, because I know that Ken uh, only has a, a short time with it, and uh, we can maybe cover the news later on if it starts gets back with it. Um, which is the question, why are you a Dr. Who fan? So, over to you, Ken.
1: Put me be on the spot for it, huh? To start it off, why am I a Doctor Who fan? Um, Lewis and I did a uh, uh, pledge drive many, many years ago at uh, Connecticut, one of the Connecticut uh, public television stations, and they asked us the very same question on the air, you know, what makes people a Doctor Who fan? And I'll give the same answer now as I did 20 years ago, and that is, with this show, Go anywhere and do anything. There are zero limitations. Time, space, other dimensions. You could do uh, uh, stories involving uh, telepathy. You could do stories involving uh, alternate universes. There's no limitations. There. A great example is the classic Star Trek series. They had to figure out a way of going to Earth in the past in order to do certain stories. They had to figure out a way of getting people to a certain place at a certain time. Uh, other science fiction shows limit themselves as to what they can do and what they can't do. Doctor Who has never done that, and more importantly, they've done it in just a fa- very family-friendly um, environment. And although I'm a guy who I'll watch the, a rated-R movie with the best of them, you know, I don't, I'm not really too particular as to ratings or things censoring anybody who who wants to do something. There's a lot to be said for a television show that can make drama and suspense and have an impact and do it in a clean environment. I've always said that it takes more talent to make a rated G movie than it takes to make a rated R movie any day of the week. Um, And that's Doctor Who in a nutshell. It's clean. It's fun. It's fun. It's uh, something that all ages can watch and you can go anywhere and do anything. That's why I'm a Doctor Who fan. And if you go back just a little history on how it started, I've talked about that in the past, but prior to having cable, I rolled around the local television channels using my antenna just like we all did, you know, many, many years ago. And there was nothing on, which is interesting because I have hundreds of channels now and there's still nothing on. But I, w- I would look in the TV guide, and I would see, you know, UHF was usually uh, relegated to either uh, alternate language programming, Spanish channels, and, and, and now many different languages, uh, or uh, public television, primarily kids programming or instructional things. But I saw on the TV listings the name of a program, Doctor Who, and next to it it said science fiction. And being a sci-fi geek, I'm like, how is there science fiction on public television? That's that's I gotta check this out and I said let's see what that UHF style can do and it's probably the reason I never noticed for many years that the sets were so wobbly because my reception was so loud <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that was especially true of the old when they started transmitting you know William Hartnell and Patrick Trouton stories and um, the quality was so bad that but we couldn't we couldn't really discern that because we were like shooting our antennas all across state to New Jersey to pick up the New Jersey network because they were showing them first. <laughs> and it was a, such a grainy picture anyway that it was, we were none the wiser. Yeah. And now we've got these remastered DVDs and we're enjoying them to their fullest, but it does sometimes show off, you know, stuff that we never noticed originally.
3: Yeah. But I just wanted to ask Ken, it's interesting that you bring up the the family sort of card because uh, recently, um, it seems in forums and sort of all over the interweb, because it, Torchwood will be coming out in the U.S., and, you know, also uh, they're filming the, the second series right now here in the U.K. A lot of people uh, are bringing up the fact that they didn't like Torchwood just for the fact that it was R-rated, and it tried to have just things like violence and swearing and sex in there just for the hell of it, without bit. Being in there for any meaning is—is is that one of the reasons why you don't particularly like Torchwood? As a—I mean, I know it's kind of like, why do you like Doctor Who and why do you don't like dislike Torchwood? I don't think no, it to no, sound I, like that, but
1: I wouldn't pin it solely on that. I—I I mm-hmm. was in favor of having an alternate way of exploring characters and issues um, outside of Doctor Who that could be a little more adult-oriented. I don't have a problem with that because it's separate from Doctor Who. There's there's a bridge between the two of them, but it is separate. The problem I yeah. have with Torchwood is just to me it's just plain old boring. As that's, and yeah. it, it's formulaic, and I I'm always against formula on television.
4: But this uh, is uh... that's
1: that's really where my criticism comes, and I and I do believe that that having it for the sake of violence, or the sake of sexuality, or the sake of of just being risque, for for its sake alone. Uh, demeans the dramatic effect of the program. Whereas if it was a yeah. natural, uh, a natural event, then that's a different story. And and I think they tried to put a lot of stuff in that very first season. They they didn't have to rush into certain things. They could have established it and then and then um, deviated down the line and and, and added some things in or tried some things. I, I think they did. Deliberately do things very early on, and yeah, so I, I definitely think that, that even in in the back of my mind, that may have had an effect.
3: Yeah, because that's the only thing that kind of brought it to mind when you when you were talking about that too is that you said uh, it takes a lot of ta- a lot more talent to make a G-rated show than an R-rated show.
1: Uh, you and know, that, for me, that's my that's my personal philosophy, but it doesn't take away from. I'm a Sopranos fan. I like Rome. I like a lot of stuff that Showtime and HBO put out. I don't have a problem. With having no, sex or nudity or violence or any of that stuff on television, by all means, if if it's if that's what the show is about, if that's yeah. if it's an adult program, expect adult things.
3: Yeah, of course. Uh,
1: but Doctor Who manages to be dramatic and exciting and and suspenseful without using. Um, th- there are there are a few free, um, a few freebies in dramatic television that you can get away with if you're doing an adult show. You cannot. You don't have those freebies in a children's show. Uh, Certain certain, uh, ways of, you know, someone pointing a gun at your head in an adult show is suspenseful. Someone putting a gun to another human being's temple has some natural suspense. You can't do that on Doctor Who. Mm
4: -hmm. You can't do Mm -hmm. that.
1: You have to build that suspense up another way. That requires creativity and
3: talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more, mate.
2: Well, thank you so much, Ken. And um, so, um, James, uh, how about yourself?
3: Well, there are just so many different reasons why I'm a Doctor Who fan. Um, It's very difficult to kind of summarize it in just a short kind of stint on on a podcast, I guess. Um, But the way that I sort of grew up watching Doctor Who, I guess, was different to you guys because for me, you know, it it wasn't, well, it was on public television, but it was on the BBC, of course. Um, and later, uh, because, uh, you know, when I was a young lad, it was only sort of Sylvester McCoy. And um, I think I was really sort of too young to sort of understand storylines. And, well, I think in certain circumstances, no matter how old you were, it was very difficult to understand the Sylvester McCoy storyline uh, for certain, uh, certain things, but... Never mind. We're
2: still trying to figure out (laughs) Ghostlight.
3: Exactly. Um, But that's beside the point. And and then later, um, when we sort of got Satellite, that was sort of a big uh, day for the family because I was really excited because um, there's this thing called UK TV Gold and they show Doctor Who regularly, uh, the repeats, and particularly John Pertwee, who I was always a a big, big favorite of mine, along with Tom Baker, um, so that's really how I sort of got into it, but but I think that Ken sort of nailed it on the head when he said you can go and do anything. But it wasn't just about the fact that you could go and do anything; um, you also weren't limited by in terms of time. Ironically, because um, the series, you know, it, it always sort of fascinated me how one guy would change you know, his face would change, but it would be the same man. So the show had such a, much more of a longevity than any other sort of sci-fi show had, uh, particularly at the time. I mean, you didn't know that, of course, Star Trek was going to be uh, such a, playing a long one, but, of course, the crew changes every so often. They have to have different series. Well, I guess now they're, they're going back and, and doing a, a movie, of course, um, sort of a, a prequel. Um, with Kirk and Spock and all of that, but essentially it will be different actors in the same guys, and that's what really sort of fascinated me, that's what attracted me um, to Doctor Who. And plus you had so many concepts that were just sort of um, really innovative and creative. Um, Well, science fiction in particular is, I think is always innovative and creative. Um, rarely is it sort of stifling and, and boring. A lot of the ideas that they, even if it's not particularly done in, in the best way, um, creatively speaking, um, as long as the writing is, is good. And in Doctor Who, the writing has always been of a, a very high standard, uh, generally speaking. As Ken mentioned, maybe the special effects haven't always been there. But the writing and the stories and the characters, you know, so much more in depth, I think, than a lot of other science fiction, and it has such a large history. It's wonderful to think that you can just sit down and watch uh, a show, uh, well, a, a particular story from 40 years ago, and it's still just as, as fantastic and relevant and, and and wonderful in terms of a story as if it was made today. Okay, the production values are different, and the budget's different, and the, the acting style is different, but in terms of the story, it's just as relevant then as it was as, as now as it, is, as it was then. So, I think that there's loads of different reasons why I'm a Doctor Who fan, and I don't think you could pinpoint it down to just the one thing. Yeah. but but also what I do like just to finish off is the fact that, that it, for science fiction, it is it is sort of more mainstream um, than than most sci-fi shows. I guess. Literally, you know, every Saturday night you, had, you do have entire families sitting down to watch it, um, which I think is, is quite strange, I guess, in, in modern, well, the modern day. I guess it wasn't so much in the 60s when uh, the show first came out. But, you know, it, it is sort of more mainstream and everybody can sit down and watch it. Uh, this afternoon, for instance, um, there's a French lass here in the hostel who, before she met me, had never seen any Doctor Who. And um, we're going back and watching the first series, the 2005 series with Christopher Eccleston, in French. And there's another English guy with me and an Italian guy, and we're all watching these in French. It's dubbed in French with English subtitles um, for the other lads. And that's just the appeal of it, is that it can appeal to such a a wide audience, I think, whilst (laughs) just being science fiction.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So, passing the book, Lewis.
2: passing the wand to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well first, um, like um, like Ken and, and and I believe yourself um, have already mentioned. Um, we were well. I was a science fiction fan as well. So, and I discovered Doctor Who back in the late seventies originally, and uh, because of my schedule at the time and it, how it was being shown, I just um, saw it sporadically in court episodes here and there. Uh, But I really, it was their early 80s when it did make its way to PBS stations and they started showing it on a regular basis, um, particularly um, um, our local PBS like WLIW was showing it um, every day at um, 7 or 7.30 and and you were able to kind of catch it and really get into it. And and that's one of the things that drew me into it was that because... um, it was a continuing story. Each episode was, um, you know, I mean, there, there were, as we all know, there were there, there are a series of, of episodes that tell a complete story and there were cliffhangers. And, you know, so it had this, you know, you had to tune in the next day to find out what happened. <laughs> or, you know, even though you knew they were going to get out of it somehow, but you didn't know how. And that was really fascinating. Just trying to think, OK, well, how are they going to manage to get out of this? Um, and, and that's one of the things that, that, that drew me into the series and um, that, that, that um, cliffhanger adventurerism of the show. Um, the other thing is that the show as a whole is magical. And let me um, just say that because I, I know one of my criticisms to Doctor Who recently in, in like the, this this past series is that they rely on too much on magic. When I say magical, I'm not speaking Harry Potter magic. I'm talking about... Um, just the chemistry of the show itself and, and, and um, the, the, the ingredients together make it a magical show. Just as Star Wars is magical, and I'm not talking about the Force, the original uh, Star Trek series, that, that the, the chemistry and the cast of the original series was magical. And um, you can say that Gene Roddenberry did it again with, um, in a different way in The Next Generation. Uh, so that was a compelling thing. Um, and another thing to remember was um, back in the early 80s, we, we didn't have the next generation. Um, there was a the, the, we, there was the Star Trek the original series. So as a science fiction science fiction show, as a science fiction fan um, on television, there was very little really that you had to um, to draw upon. You had Buck Rogers. You, there was a long run series, but um, here Doctor Who came we had such an appetite for something new and different. And there was the, the hunger was there and here was the show with a format that can go anywhere at any time, bring you the, the, format of the show is fantastic, you know, and the show itself had its own history and that drew you in as well. You know, I know many times it's, um, people feel that relying to, and I, okay, I agree. If you rely too much on the history of the show, it could alienate new viewers, but, um, just drawing a little bit here and there from the past really got you curious. And I thought it was very compelling to have this history of the show. You wanted to find out, you know, what happened in the past. I, my first doctor was Tom Baker and then Peter Davison. Once, and that was a Marvel thing too. Once, um, you know, at first it was traumatic, like what happened to the doctor and who is this Peter Davison guy and why is he so different? And um, But then it became an asset. It, it was something that you really enjoyed about the show. And then you really wanted to know these other incarnations of the doctor. Um, I never had seen William Hart, no Patrick Trouton, or John Pertley before. Uh, be- my first regeneration was Tom Baker going to Peter Davison. But then I wanted to learn all about these other doctors that preceded it. Um, that drew me in. The doctor himself, the main character of the show, I related very much to. Uh, he was a, um, he's an anti-establishment person. He, he, you know, he went against the, um, the grain. He went his own way. Um, he wasn't going to follow the rules set by his own people or, for that matter, anywhere that he went. Uh, he had flair and style, you know, and he didn't care or didn't worry about what others thought, you know, and um, he wasn't afraid to be himself. He lives large, and for the here and now, he's not, you know, concerned about, um, again, you know, past, the past or, or the future. And he refuses to be passive. He takes action. He's not going to um, – he knows what's right, and he, he, he's not going to just be another observer. Uh, the character himself is um, – Enwrapped in mystery, which is uh, a wonderful aspect um, of the show, because you were just enthralled about who he is and his history, and um, and little nuggets here and there that just made you just sparks your imagination, and you don't want to give too much of that away. And um, you know, and lastly, the show itself is um, is constantly always reinventing itself. You know, you have new producers and a new actor coming into the series all the time, so um it's a new show it's it's not the stale tired old show it's, it's constantly refreshing itself and that's another thing that keeps you going and and as was already said the storytelling is the key about the show the storytelling good stories and good characters you know the effects were you know there just to kind of tell the story but you know it, it wasn't obviously now things are kind of different the effects are top-notch but originally um you know, and I have to say, even you have to put yourselves in the time that the show first came out. These are the effects that may be laughable today. At that time, were cutting edge effects for the budget that they had. They were doing the best that they could, and it's really about the stories and the and, and the characters. Really. Anyway, I feel like I'm just babbling on, so I better just wrap it up. And uh, but that's basically. Um, and again, like James says, you the, 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 there's no recipe, but. Uh, these are just some of the elements that really draws me into the series and what makes me a Doctor Who fan. Mm -hmm. We still have Joe with us. We haven't heard from Joe.
6: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said so far. So instead of reiterating that, I'll uh, just mention a couple of other reasons. And uh, one of the things that I absolutely adore about the show is how dedicated... Uh, so many of the actors and actresses are in continuing it, you know, where you have Big Finish and uh, actors and actresses from, you know, 30, 40 years ago coming back and wanting to contribute and wanting to play their roles again, you know, is something that really just makes me like the show even more. There's something about a show where you know that when you know that the people that are involved in it, love it so much and really want to continue being part of it for so long after they have originally departed that just, you know, it adds to that magic, like, uh, you know, Lewis was just talking about, uh, to the program, you know, knowing that, you know, the people, you know, like first doctor companions from, you know, the early sixties, uh, coming back to reprise their roles in big finish. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, characters coming back, you know, K-9 and, you know, Sarah Jane and them reprising their roles and after so long from leaving the series. Like, that all adds a lot to it for me. And, well, it's um, it's
2: more than a show. It's like an institution, especially, uh, yeah. obviously, in the U.K. And, mm-hmm. um,
6: yeah. you
2: know, it's and, and just to, um, I, it's something that uh, William Hartner had said once, once doc, once you, and I'm try, I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact quote, but you know, once Doctor Who touches you, it, it, it lasts a lifetime or something like that. I don't know if, if Ken can remember the exact quote, but I, I, I thought that's apropos.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, that's just uh, an excellent part of the series, and uh, uh, um, one other thing I just wanted to touch on is how it's lasted so long, it was on for so many consecutive years with oh, a, flight break here or there before you know it initially ended in '89 and then came back. The, the wonderful thing about it is we, ha- you know, like things like you know, Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, and all these other sort of like epic characters had never been able to have. A program on for nearly the same length of time. You know, characters like Superman and Batman who can have movies that rake in, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars can't have a show on TV for that long a period of time. And there have been countless times in, you know, the past several decades where they've started the show, like started a Superman program, restarted it, did the origin all over again, reintroduced all the characters. Same with Batman in so many formats, from radio shows to serials to, you know, a TV drama to a cartoon and, you know, very sporadic sort of things. And Doctor Who has never needed to do that. It never stopped. They never had that break and then brought it back in a different format from the beginning again, you know, on television when, gee, you know, we have to stop this and revamp it and let's tell the story again and fix those mistakes initially that we did and change the origin and all that. Like it never needed that to this day. They've just been continuing the story on television. And, um, that's just another wonderful thing about the show. So, Mm-hmm. you know I think uh, I'll end it there.
2: Well thank you so much Joe and hey, Joe. Uh, yes. welcome and Doth Skeptical we haven't And welcome back we've lost you there for a bit.
5: Yeah as always having some delightful fun with audio. <laughs> um,
2: fun with audio with Doth Skeptical.
5: I, I know I should make my own series <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I were to sum up why it is that uh, I'm a Doctor Who fan I can do it in four words Tom Baker, Elizabeth Sladen. Um, I had come to Doctor Who by a, a very different route, I think, than most of you guys did, in that I wasn't particularly a science fiction fan at the time that I started watching the show, but I was instead a fan of British comedy, and Doctor Who happened to follow some British comedy that I was into, I think it was actually following uh, Are You Being Served, and um, If it had not been Tom Baker and Elizabeth Slayton that I was watching, I I don't think that I would have gotten into the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they were immediately so possessed of personality and fun that I had to keep watching it just to see what the guy was gonna do. Um, And I think maybe that's why in sort of my earlier association with Doctor Who, it was hard for me, really hard for me, to get get into other doctors except for maybe Peter Davison um, because I had known him from having watched All Creatures Great and Small. So to, to me, the show has been mostly about its humor and only secondarily about its science fiction, which is why I think fundamentally I maybe have a divergence and have noticed over the course of this last season that we've been reviewing that I've had a divergence from a lot of what you guys have thought, because to me, all the science is secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, what has kept my interest in the show is something weird, too, and that is its place in television history. Um, I think, and this is the weirdest thing in the world to say, but I think if every episode of this television series existed, it wouldn't be as interesting to me. I think that because you can go back and try to find out what missing episodes were about, why they went missing, what all of the um, technical specifications were for filming, all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, because that's so much a part of being a Doctor Who fan.
2: That's a very good point. That's something that I hadn't really thought about before, and I'm so glad you brought that up, but I think that's that's a, a, a... key ingredient as well, just as, as you said, because of the missing episodes it makes it even more interesting that you just want to learn about this and I'm not sure if that would have been the case if they existed, you know, you would just maybe just take them for granted, but I, I think you hit upon a, a, a nice point there which I, I think others fail to mention or, or, or think of.
5: Right, I mean, I think that was my entree into the world of Bill Hartnell and, and Patrick Charlton because, you know, if, if I had seen them first, I'm telling you right now there's no way I would like the show. There's no way. Come on, oh, old Billy ha-
2: Boy, you want to have grabbed it? Uh-uh.
5: Not going to happen. <laughs> but because he was... Uh, both those doctors were a source of mystery and, you know, they... they it may not be known to British audiences, but um, they really didn't appear in America until long after the show had mm-hmm. really gone off the air. So in many ways, they, they were the seventh doctor, the six and seventh doctors for Americans. Um... And if, if they hadn't been shrouded in mystery, I wouldn't have cared about them. But now I look at them, I'm like, oh, this is a treasured gem. This is, you know, who knows where this came from. So that's an interesting part, because you learn a lot about the, the history of television by uh, following Doctor Who, and I, I enjoy that aspect of it a lot. Um, and I enjoy, you know, that it, it has a very large universe. Now, it's a double-edged sword. I think um, what Joe was saying there about it never having restarted and never having um, you know discrete pockets of continuity I think that's a problem really at the end of the day Um, because it's you you can't tell anybody exactly what Doctor Who is when you're trying to explain it and and go into some detail about what the show is to somebody who doesn't know that much about it Mm you find yourself always, you know, getting out the old uh, footnote pen and saying, well, you know, it's like this, but not here. Or this thing happened, but it was contradicted by this thing over here. And it becomes a very confusing mess, which reduces the continuity to a certain amount of meaninglessness. Um, as, As a fan of comics, the very thing that Joe was talking about—you know, Superman having to reinvent himself, Batman having to periodically reinvent itself—you know that can be overdone too, to the point that it's super confusing. But um, it's still relatively easy to be a fan of Smallville, for instance, because that has a discrete continuity that you can get into, that you can understand, that you know when something in Smallville is wrong or when it's right, because it, you know, has a history of its own. Um, if you go and you try to compare Smallville to other bits of the Superman world, then you get into some confusing aspects, surely. But with, with Doctor Who, almost nothing that's said actually isn't contradicted at some point or another. That may be a part of the fun for some people. For me, it's a little bit of an off putter. Mm-hmm. But in general, you know, the, the whole reason that I'm a Doctor Who fan is because I think it's a funny show most of the time. Um, and then after that I think it's got some good drama now what's interesting is that the reasons that I like the current show are really not the reasons that I like the classic show at all because I think that the style of the two shows is sufficiently different that you could say from a dramatic standpoint there has been a reboot um, mm-hmm. it, it's continued it, it, nothing really that explicitly contradicts that much that went on in the past in the new series but. It's just a different show that um, grabs you at, at the level that other shows that are on today do. Um, so, if you're a fan of good drama, if you're a fan of good comedy, you, you can appreciate it on that level without having to worry about anything else from the past.
2: Yeah, you you touched upon another great point which I failed to mention when I spoke as as well is the comedy is the whimsical. Um, Character of the Doctor, and like you, my first introduction to Doctor Who was with Tom Baker and Elizabeth Slade, and uh, and, and those stories drew me in, and and the chemistry between those two, and um, the Doctor himself, you know, being comical and but not, you know, but still maintaining the drama at the same time. And and you know, and that whole you had said that you were into British uh, comedy, and that was kind of maybe the that led you into Doctor Who, and, and that's interesting as well. And you know, as a fan of, of British sitcoms and Monty Python and all that, I can see how that could happen.
5: Yeah, I don't think that it would have happened really though with any other Doctor but Tom Baker, because I think that he is clearly the closest to being uh, a part of the Monty Python cast. Um, he's just crazy. The guy is insane
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: and and you can't help but love that. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he is the most American Briton I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the appeal as an American yeah. is that he is you, just mean, so I mean, against the mold of what it means to be British.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, traditionally as Americans, we sort of see British being very, um, uh,
3: reserved, reserved,
2: and, and you know, held. Yeah, reserved and grounded and non-rebunctious or whatever. You know, just. I, I, I don't mean this to be derogatory in any way. Just.
3: No, that's just the stereotype.
2: Yeah. So and and Tom Baker's Doctor was over the top, but not not so much so that it was loony. It was just. Yeah. Darth, if you had anything more to say. Nah, no. Nah. Okay. So we have a couple people in in our queue that we wanted to get to some callers, and um, since time is running out, uh, I, I thought we'll move along to um, some live callers here. And first up is uh, Fixer MX. And I have to say, every time I, see, I think of Fixer, I think of the, the Star Wars character that was cut out of the film, Fixer. Um, so let's go to Fixer. Hello, Fixer MX.
7: I appreciate it. And that's actually partially where I came, got the handle from. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing uh, what everybody's had to say. And uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, you guys have said about the history, about how the show's a really big campus, um, changing format, changing actors. Um, I love that about Doctor Who. Uh, and I love that it's sort of a tradition in an institution. Uh, I love what Darn said about, some of the, the us of the missing old episodes. It's, it, when you're watching a show like this and you're aware of the back story, you you feel like you're a part of something big. And, um, I don't know if any of you have that same reaction to, uh, you, doctor, you know, feeling like you're part of something bigger than just an ordinary TV show.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, but I'm,
2: absolutely.
7: Kind
2: of, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm absolutely. I mean, as I had mentioned before, um dr who's is, is a institution in the uk and and you can argue worldwide as well so and and as doth had said uh, it's an historical show too because and and because of those missing episodes it, it seems like you you want to go back and 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 find a miniature and and um of information that was available i mean th- there's loads of books that were printed about the history of the show and, um, and, and it's all interesting And uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, yeah. go ahead
7: yeah, it's about 1963, I mean just science fiction show uh, pretty much continuous in, in 1963, it doesn't get any better than that that said, uh, I'm coming at it from, I, I'm totally coming at it from a different perspective from um, a, a lot of you know, probably in the The older shows, when I saw them on PBS, they were entertaining enough when they were on, but I never really fell in love with the older Doctor Who, um, because I also saw that frequently the acting and the production values just sort of didn't measure up to what I was seeing down the the channels on another network. Um, And I only got a sense of who Peter Davison and Professor McCoy were in terms of of actors and personality. the The only Doctor companion now. I didn't see that much of uh, uh, Sarah Jane and the Fourth Doctor, but the only Doctor companion relationship that felt like I could approach it was uh, the relationship between um, uh, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Albright sort of the sort of the father figure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm I'm a fan. The, I'm a fan of Doctor Who because of the new show. Um, mm-hmm. Not um, it, it, it just I, I checked it out out of a sense of nostalgia and I love the concepts but there's something about the new show that's uh, really well there's, there's exuberant storytelling and acting um, you know cast and crew love what they're doing um, something that you would never you listen to you listen to Russell TV's talk in a confidential compared to what John Nathan Turner must have been like toward the end of his run, and there's there's no question that the current the current people really love doing Doctor Who. It's not just a job for them, um, and that shows up in a lot of risk taking with episodes like Blink and uh, Human Nature um, and Twenty First. Century production values. Uh, once you got past uh, the um, you know it looked like a it looked like a good sci-fi show. Um, the new show also has, uh, like, Dark skeptical last week's po- podcast. Uh, the new show has a theme, and I totally agree with that. I never got that from the old show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the last the last reason I'm a fan of Doctor Who because of the new show is that compared to the old series, um, Doctor is Far more accessible as a character now. Um, I've seen on your forums, uh, Lewis, your your sig file, and I've heard uh, some others. Uh, I've heard some other people uh, in conversation complaining about the new show. Um, the quote: "I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity." I don't want a character that that's. I don't want, I don't enjoy watching the characters that that's remote. I like enigmatic characters, but I don't like remote characters. I feel like modern audiences want more than that. Um, I think it's it's understandable in story terms why the Ninth and Tenth Doctors would be a little different. Uh, The Doctor's gone from a person on the run from his home to a person who'd give anything to go back home again because it's all gone. And how could anyone not be changed by that? um so deep breath here. now we have a doctor who loved Rose just as much as a time Lord possibly could uh, who felt her loss so keenly that he was a jerk to Martha. he had a knee-jerk prejudice reaction to encountering Jack. he fell apart when the master died. This is a doctor that I can believe in because he does have you um, can you can empathize with him. He does have, uh, he, he does demonstrate emotions and things like that. Um, the moment that made me a Doctor Who fan was uh, everyone lives Rose at the end of uh, The Doctor Dances. And mm-hmm. that that made watching this show more than nostalgia to me. Um, the show's about a sense of wonder and optimism and passion and it can make me forgive a lot of... Uh, Gollum doctors in the Love and Monsters episode, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm a fan of Doctor Who.
2: Oh well, actually, I'm very grateful that that you were able to join us and chime in because it's it's great having you here. And I think because everyone else that has spoken so far probably were you know became were introduced to Doctor Who and became Doctor Who fans. Uh, before 2005, before the Russell T. Davies era, if you will, um, came into being. So uh, I think it's, um, it's great getting your perspective and, and uh, others that have uh, fell in love with the series, um, the new series, the series as it is today. And, and, uh, um, and, and I, you know, I find what you have to say to be very insightful. So uh, I thank you so much for you know, being here and sharing it with us.
7: I appreciate it. The old show was, the old show was fine and
2: I enjoyed it when I saw it, but this is, this is Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. No, but I think it's, that's a testimony to the, sh- the quality of the show today. And, um, you know, I, I, think a lot of people have different reasons why they're a Dr. Who fan and, um, and, and they're not always the same. And I, I think, um, for, for what draws me into the series and what draws someone else into the series could be completely different, but both of them are, are just as valid, and um, I think it's great. Well, thanks again, Fixer. We're going to go to Dave um, in the U.K. And, uh, Fixer, where are you from?
7: Uh, North Carolina.
2: Okay, cool. All right, thanks again. Thank you. Cheers.
4: <phone rings> now
2: we have Dave. Dave Cooper, hello. Hi. Hi, Lewis. Hi, everyone. Hey, good to have you back on the show. Now, Dave, I have to—and forgive me, Dave—if if I'm revealing too much here, but um, you were there at the very beginning of Doctor Oh Hill. yes. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've been to all that. All, well, hopefully, a lot of the people here actually do listen to uh, Wes's uh, CIA. Uh, show because uh, we had one little thing about that where we, we sorted about the, the very first Doctor Who that we saw and mine of course was uh, the very first and had the, the very sad events of the uh, the Kennedy assassination uh, mm-hmm. that was there about and um, I should really plug Wes's uh, podcast for people who want to listen to that The CIA <laughs> Yeah um, But um, For an actual uh, Doctor Who, why I'm a Doctor Who fan, well, I have to say, really, um, I'm a much wider fan of science fiction in general, I think, because um, even back in 73, I was already, good heavens, I was already 17 then, and um, although when I was younger, I wasn't a big reader, I really got into reading first, and that was comics through a, a British annual called The Eagle. Which had a science fiction thing called Dan Dare in it. And um soon as I started reading the Superman comics and Flash, the one, one called Green Lantern, uh, it, it was from that perspective that I got into it. And then I started reading British science fiction like um, um, John Wyndham's sort of books, Dave the Triffids, The Midwitch Mid- Cuckoos, The Kraken Waits, uh, and all those sort of things. And then on BBC at, at the time, they actually were quite good with science fiction because um, they had things, and probably the one that is most remembered now is the Quatermass series. Mm-hmm. So that when I heard that Doctor Who was coming along, um, I already had a built-in interest to watch it, you know, I was already uh, keyed up for it. And of course, um, we only thought it was going to last six weeks then. It, it wasn't, I think they were projecting two or three stories. Uh, they started off obviously um, in the, uh, the junkyard with the, uh, the doctor and his granddaughter and so on and then we went back to the episode where fire was being made and, and then again uh, as I've said before um, the series really took off uh, with the first sight of poor Barbara um, in the corridors uh, uh, with the rubber soccer coming after her and we didn't <laughs> actually see it uh, that was the start of the Daleks and that was the start of really that sealed the fate of Doctor Who um, but also uh, lots of other things were happening, you see at that time um, things were exciting in science as well uh, you know, lasers were, were being invented um, the linear induction motor by Speth uh, 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 Braithwaite uh, uh, and the future seemed as though eventually it arrived I remember, my mother used to get um, some books, the Reader's Digest, I think they're a big American book over there anyway, and um, mm-hmm. they used to have time-to-time articles about the future, and I was always reading about uh, levitating cars and flat-screen TVs, and in this country after the war, we were starved for things like that, you know, we wanted the future, and uh, we wanted these things to happen. I mean, we'd only been out of sweet in about five years, uh, that went on to about 1956 or 58. So um, all these things were so exciting. We had a TV program called Tomorrow's World. And mm-hmm. I would imagine there's a lot of people here, and certainly our uh, James is, uh, a lot of people are keen on uh, science fiction, are, are keen people who are interested in science and, yeah. and technology and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was where my uh, real uh, thing came in, and then, of course, uh, there was Zoe, wasn't there? <laughs> I mean, uh, Zoe and Jamie, when they really came aboard uh, with the second Doctor, uh, it, it really felt as though the programmer took off. And uh, it, it was a really great program. And, and they were innovating all the time. We had the fact that we had this uh, hero, the first Doctor. He regenerated. Um, we had... Um, it moved to colour. That was another thing. Um, the programme just seemed to get better and better, and then we had more uh, companions, and the, the dynamics were changing, but always it seemed quite successfully. We had different directors, Nathan Turner and the others, and the programme, I didn't think, got stale. And I know there can be a lot of arguments about by the time we got to the seventh Doctor, um, you, you felt as though somebody up there just didn't like Doctor Who. You were moving the times around. Yes, yeah,
2: someone some by the things. name of,
8: um, <laughs> of uh, what's his face? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the controller. <laughs> yeah, what a man. Well, let's not, let's not get vindictive. But yeah, uh, and one of the points you made, Lewis, that, that, that I liked about Doctor Who was the uh, I'd grown up... Um, Oh, God, I bet he didn't even have this in America. He must have had it. Um, Children's Matinee Theater or cinema. This is not the TV now. This is where kids used to be uh, sent off to the pictures uh, in the mornings to, you know, to see The Lone Ranger and uh, not The Perils of Pauline, but that sort of um, mm-hmm. thing where every, every week always... The it in a clip, a Serial Adventures.
2: On, on, exactly. On.
8: Uh, Those are what
2: inspired Spielberg and Lucas and, uh, you know, that's what Raiders of the Lost Ark are a tribute to, you know, the the Flash Gordon and the Long Ranger and, you know, the Westerns and whatnot.
8: Yeah, uh, uh, and and things like, um, I mean, I've always been interested in the time travel aspect of of science fiction. I mean, I love time tunnel and uh, sliders and on the big screen there were, there were lots of fabulous films at the time like Forbidden Planet and This Island Earth and War of the Worlds so Doctor Who just fitted right in there <laughs> and uh, one thing that the Doctor Who has stayed um, pretty constant with and, uh, and is quite different from a lot of other shows now is that the Doctor has stayed a hero I mean so many shows now even say Blake 7 um, although you could argue Blake was a hero but Uh, Avon, for me, was the real character in that, and he was an anti-hero, and Mm -hmm. in in lots of programs since then, uh, the younger folks seem to have uh, have gone that way, but I like the fact that the doctor is a safe pair of hands, as it were, for for the family viewing. They can enjoy these adventures, but the doctor's there uh, to see them through it, so they can hide behind the sofa uh, with impunity, as it were, uh, knowing that things are going to somehow get resolved. And of course now it's been, as someone said, rebooted with the new series. And although there's a sort of a soap element that seems to have crept in, and though we haven't got off-earth very much, um, it really is a bigger, better show. There isn't really anything else you can say other than it's been a resounding success. And so uh, I'll finish there in saying just get to other worlds, and not worlds with humans on, worlds with alien races on. Mm
4: -hmm.
8: And um, that's about it, uh, but I've agreed pretty much with all that other people have said, and uh, I continue to watch it, look forward to it, and can't wait for Series 4.
2: Well, thank you so much, Dave. I always enjoy your perspective, and I, I really was looking forward to what you had to say today, being that as i said and i don't want to dwell upon this but you were you were there in the beginning and um you know and, and um you got the magic firsthand you know back then and and i'm just it, it's thr- it's thrilling just to know that 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 carried you through all these years and and it, it sustained itself and it's a testimony to the show's strength and um and and as dot skeptical had said you know the the, the new series and, Fixer had mentioned it as well. is um, is, is different, and um, but yet it continues. You know, many longtime fans are here, but there's a whole new um, audience there that 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 are uh, wrapped up in the series, perhaps with different reasons, and um, and it's it's all great. So thank well, you so if, much.
8: If if Wes is coming on next, perhaps he can remember which uh, episode it was where we talked about how we got into Doctor Who, because. Uh, Not just my contribution, lots of other people have lots of interesting things to say. Mm. All
2: right, well, West is actually um, next in the queue, so we'll we'll get to hear from West right now. So thanks again, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. West, hello. Good to hear from you, my friend.
9: Hello, hello. Can everyone hear me all right? Yes. Okay. Talk to me, (laughs) mate. How's everyone doing today?
2: Good, uh, Good. we're just getting some big thunder bumpers here, thunderstorms and nasty weather where I am.
9: We had those here all last week, and I've been pretty much busy fixing computers for about a week and a half now, because so people don't know how to plug them into a power strip.
2: <laughs> Make sure they use UPS. you know, UPSs, uninterruptible power supplies. All right
9: um to answer dave's question i believe it's our second episode where we talk about dr who and how we got involved in it if anybody's curious about that it's either the first or second mm-hmm.
2: so uh yeah, second J- out, you know, the, is that the cia podcast or uh the, the, yeah that's the, the other cia one. podcast okay
9: yeah i think james is on that one actually uh, oh that's one of the first
2: yeah,
9: ones we did I think so. yeah yeah yeah, we were all talking about how we, how we got hooked on it. And over here in America, everybody's story was pretty much the same, TDS.
2: So, Wes, uh, why are you a Doctor Who fan?
9: I am a Doctor Who fan because the ideals that the character imbibes in, 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 in life is the kind of ideals that I think a person, if you live by them, you can have a, a happy life and other people would like you a whole lot. It's because, I mean, it's all about good versus evil, don't let oppression get you down. And, you know, going into a battle without a weapon because when people see you disarmed, they tend to be disarmed, period. So, you know, you don't start fights by having weapons in your hand. And that's what I always thought was cool about the doctor is that he never mm-hmm. carried a weapon.
2: Yes, that's a great point.
9: Until he gets to be Colin Baker and blow Cybermen away. But, you know, he'd a battle. <laughs>
2: Well, for the most part, he works out, uh, out of, works out works out of situations through his head, and you know, um, b- you know, before grabbing a gun or, or a weapon, you know, it's it's always how can you get out of this without resorting to that.
9: Right, and um, as a kid watching it, I mean, there was a lot of values. There's actually a lot of family values in the- Doctor Who that even though it's a monster from another planet or a mad scientist or something else, there's there's a life lesson there you can learn about how to treat other people. And that's, I think, the most important thing about that show. And um, I just, for me, I mean, as a kid watching it, I learned a lot about, you know, interaction with other people. You know, giving people that you wouldn't normally talk to a chance to get to know them a little bit. You know, they may be different, but they might have the same ideas that you have, and it, and it broadens mine. And then the fans that I met that were like me at conventions and stuff, they're still some of my closest friends. And, and that's because of the show that brought us together.
2: Mm-hmm. That's uh, a good point, too. though. The, the, um, and, and I don't mean to say this uh, that other science fiction shows don't have this community, family type of fandom, but I... I notice that with Doctor Who is um, maybe because you know my involvement with the Gallifreyan Embassy and being a club and all that 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 many of the friendships have been long-lasting friendships that extend far beyond Doctor Who and um, and I think that's that could be another attribute to uh, why people love the series so much is um, because of that.
9: Right and because of the PBS influence I also learned how to beg for money and hold back episodes until people reach a certain <laughs> amount. And just to let you see the rest of it.
2: Well, very good. Thank you so much, Wes. No and um
9: Yeah, cheers, uh, mate.
2: Make sure, uh, after are you, are you doing a, uh, a podcast after this one?
9: Yes, I think we're going to cover the future of Dr. Here today. And okay. we'll probably delve a little bit into Harry Potter. I think people want to talk about that, too.
2: And that's the CIA podcast that's on TalkShoe as well, com, And I believe the number, the talk, talk cast number, is 30659. So yep. I encourage uh, listeners, um, check it out, CIA. That's the Celestial thank Intervention you. Agency, not then <laughs> <That's laughs> Not the other CIA. Intelligence Agency. Yeah. All right, thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, well... Um, that's going to round it up for today. So actually, we had lost Darth earlier when we uh, spoke on the news of the comic book. I was just wondering if Darth had anything further to say. If Darth, are you looking forward to the new comic book? Uh, any opinions about I, uh, w, IDW and um, how this plays out in with Doctor Who? Oh,
5: well, yeah, I'm tremendously looking forward to the comic book. Um, it being rather historical as the first original comic book that Doctor Who has ever had, Um, I am a little wary, and I think I put this on the forum somewhere, a little wary of Nick Roche as the choice of
7: uh, the artist. artist.
5: Um, You know, I've seen some sketches that he's done, and and they're okay, but, you know, he does come from a background of having done the Transformers. It'll probably be fine. It's just sort of a surprising choice for me. A little worried, too, that it's IDW. Um, IDW is... It's good in a lot of ways. I mean, they have uh, gorgeous production values as a comic book publisher, but uh, IDW is not uh, available to the extent of other um, comic book publishers.
2: Um, Distribution-wise?
5: Distribution-wise. You'll find in some smaller comic book shops that they're not represented really at all. Um, So it may be that if you're in a relatively... Uh, rural location that you might have to prod your local comic book distributor to actually special order it for you. Um, uh, I, do you I, know I, if this? Sorry, if, if
2: this will be um, distributed both in the U.S. and the U.K. simultaneously, or you will know US that is an interesting import?
5: question that I don't know, um, and I, mm-hmm. I wondered about that because it
2: appears
5: to really be just an American thing. I mean, if you're let's put it this way, if you're going to do uh, a book for. The U.K., IDW is not the publisher you normally think of doing. Maybe they have an arrangement, and maybe that was a part of them winning the license that they had to find somebody in the U.K. to do. Maybe Titan will pick it up. Titan's likely, I suppose. Titan picks up a lot of American stuff. Um, but if they do pick this up, I think it'll be the first time Titan's picked up an IDW book. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but... Mm-hmm.
2: It's due out in January, I believe? Is that right?
5: I, it's due out in 2008. Uh, okay. January seems kind of likely. Um, and that's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think I put this somewhere. I don't know where. Um, that's going to be interesting in that just a few months away from the debut of a season which doesn't feature Martha, we're suddenly going to get, well, it doesn't feature Martha to start with. We're suddenly going to get a lot of Martha Doctor adventures. Um,
2: yeah, you know, we're going to have to assume that these adventures take place in the latter half of um, the past series.
5: Well, you know, I wonder. I wonder the degree to which there's going to be integration um, into mm-hmm. the series. Certainly, the Doctor Who magazine, uh, well, actually, all of the British comics, you can kind of guess where they're at. Um, not, not, not as specifically as you could with say a big like finished production where it tells you, you know, it's between this episode and that episode. But you know, when when Rose left, then Rose left the comic books as well, and you had, you know, single Doctor Adventures or solo Doctor Adventures. But here, you know, it's it's going to be a slight, it looks like to me, a slight misfit between what's going on on TV and what's going on in the comic book. And that's really interesting. That may. That's a return to how things kind of always used to be. Um, but
2: Russell T. Davies is going to have a hand or is going to oversee this in some respect, which I, I mean, I have no, um, I'm, you know, I, nothing against Russell T. Davies, but I just hope he's not too overextended with everything else that he's doing.
5: Well, you know, the one thing that you can say about Russell T. Davies is that he's a massive comic book fan. Um mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting, if you've got volume seven of the Doctor Who graphic novel, that is um, the latest um, and last edition that had the eight Doctor's comic strips in it, you'll have been rewarded by great big bonus sections in which Russell T. Davies explains his relationship to um, Doctor Who magazine and the comic strips particularly. And gives um, a very interesting story of how he, as the current producer of Doctor Who, handled uh, the relationship with um, Doctor Magazine writers about the possible regeneration of the comic 8th Doctor into the Ninth Doctor. And it, it seems to me that the guy has a deep love of comic books. And mm-hmm. at the same time that he will exert some control over it by sending off emails, the emails are, and letters are not particularly specific. They don't say, you must do this. They say, well, what about doing this? What about doing that? I'll leave it up to you. Here's my thoughts on it. Um, mm. So I, I think it's a very helpful and constructive relationship as opposed to an overbearing one. Um, yeah. Certainly, and that's evidence, I think, in the run of the Ninth and Tenth Doctors, where he has had, uh, for want of a better word, an executive story editing job. Um is all those, they do fit within the continuity of the television series. They do um, reprise some themes that have come up, like you'll see a Bad Wolf theme, you'll see the Torchwood theme, you'll see uh, references to Rose being lost and how that emotionally is affecting the Doctor. But it's not as if Russell T Davies is there saying, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think having him involved will make it more um it, it will make it more consistent with the television series and and maybe um it, um the continuity will be more intact with the television series.
5: Yeah, but you know the other interesting thing about them starting perhaps in January with Martha is that they're certainly starting with Martha as she is now because I mean if he's already writing it, I don't I I really wonder what kind of Martha we're going to get here. Is, mm, is well, it, that's a good you know, point. Since, since, since this is an evolving character, uh, it, it will be interesting to see, is she still pining over the Doctor? Is, there, is even that romantic element going to be there at all? Because really, yes, that okay. element's not in the Doctor Who magazine.
2: Or, or the Infinite uh, Quest, that really wasn't there.
5: No, no, well, Infinite Quest always seemed to me to be like after episode two, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really early on. Um, so who knows how it's going to go, but I, I, the, the important point it seems to me is that we finally have an original comic book, which, how long has that taken? 45 years. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, that, so another, another, little point about that too is, um, I am slightly disappointed by the fact that it appears we're going to get one story per comic book as opposed to
2: oh, a continuing
5: yeah, I mean, and, and certainly the dominant form of American comic book telling today is and has always been really well, not always, but uh, largely for the most has part. been you know this continuing
2: sure. drama. Yeah, um, that's what keeps you buying the next issue. Otherwise, yes, yeah,
5: exactly. So, um, you know, but who knows? Because apparently, this thing is really only green-lighted for a limited run. I'm not sure how many episodes that will be, but I would be surprised if its original contract is for more than six. Maybe eight. Um, and then maybe after we get through that period and sales are good enough to justify going forward, maybe then we'll get into what will be a more traditional American comic book.
2: Mm-hmm. We'll have a continuing narrative. With, with larger story arcs and continuing right. adventures. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well... Soth, I appreciate your insight. I was glad you got back on board because um I really wanted to hear your take on this because I, I knew you would be the person to talk to about it. Cool. Well, I w- I'd like to thank everyone in today's uh podcast. If Ken's yeah. with us, I do is still with us. I do apologize, Ken. We did go a little bit past our um two o'clock right. marker.
1: I'm uh so, really walking out the door.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Thank you um,
1: Oh,
2: thank James you. Yeah. James cheers. And uh Joe and Dar mm-hmm. and everyone else that had called in. And this is Lewis, so signing off. See you next time. We'll probably be back in two weeks for another live show. We got a studio show that will be coming out shortly and um more studio <laughs> shows and keep those comments to yourself there, Ken. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to complain, but doesn't do much.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, I've, I'm uh, kidding. That's what I do. <laughs> A lot of energy.
2: He's, he's the whip. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I
1: don't
2: even want to think about that. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. <laughs> <Elza>. <laughs> oh my. Cheers, everyone. Take care.
0: Cheers.
6: Bye. <laughs>
2: You've been listening to Dr. Who Pachak live by the fan run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Dr. Who Pachak. You can email us at feedback at dot. N- Good lord. Feedback at pachak.net. <laughs> <Here they are. laughs>
0: time on Doctor Who Podshock live we discuss the longest-running doctor the fourth doctor the Tom Baker error that's on the 21st of October 2007 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time in the US it's on TalkShoe.com look for Doctor Who Podshock live
4: show is brought to you
1: by Talk show. Create your own internet talk show. Check it out at T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E